Well, welcome to our first business stream um, session at, at WAF Virtual. Um, and I'm delighted to introduce um, two speakers who are going to talk about the vexed question of winning work, the inevitable requirement um, for all architects. Um, and joining us is Susanna Seifman, president of Dovetail Design Strategies in New York City. Uh, and Lee Polisano, a native of New York City, but now based in London as president of PLP Architecture. Um, welcome to you both, and um, over to you for, for some discussion. Um, and perhaps I'll, I'll kick off with a question to you, uh, Susanna, uh, which is, tell us some of the bits of general advice that you give to your architect clients uh, when they come to you uh, in the hope of winning work or winning more work. Well, thanks for having me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with WAF Virtual and in such excellent company. As Paul said, I'm the founder and president of Dovetail Design Strategists. And I thought today I would start by telling you a bit about Dovetail, share how design excellence drives the Dovetail proprietary selection process, and discuss ways in which your own passion for design excellence can help your firm win work. My company, Dovetail, works with a wide range of inspired, forward-looking, and high-profile cultural, institutional, civic, educational, and developer clients, and the occasional individual. We curate and lead the critically vital and important architect or design team selection process for major capital projects. I founded Dovetail in 2008 on the premise that design excellence really matters, and we're now the leading independent architect selection firm in the States. I have a deep knowledge of the global architect ecology, and Dovetail has developed a signature process driven by design excellence. We've crafted and led numerous competitive architect selection processes comprising well over a billion dollars of work now built. You most likely have seen some of our projects. Dovetail crafted an international design competition for the city of New York to reimagine the dark, dirty, and unattractive sidewalk sheds, scaffolding, that dot our city. The result, the spectacular urban umbrella design, is now popping up in all five boroughs and beyond, making for a safer pedestrian and business-friendly streetscape. Dovetail crafted and led a design team selection process for the complete reinvention of the New York Public Library's mid-Manhattan campus renovation. Both buildings, the main research branch and the main circulating branch, which is about to open, will provide more public space, including a magnificent roof terrace, which will be free to the public. Last fall, we wrapped up a very meaningful international design competition for selection of a design team for the National Pulse Memorial and Museum in Orlando, which will commemorate the mass shooting at the Pulse nightclub in June 2016. It was very moving to see how my client's mandate, we will not let hate win, resonated with the design community around the world. Let me shift gears for a moment and tell you a bit about my background and how the idea for Dovetail came about. While I was studying to be an architect at the Architectural Association in London, England in the mid 1990s, I was very fortunate to be commissioned to write a book on contemporary architecture in Chicago. I got paid to spend my summer break before my final year of architecture school walking and riding the L all around the great city of Chicago, looking for the best examples of new innovative architecture I could find. Not only did I explore over 228 square miles, I met with almost every single architect in my book, which featured 100 buildings all built within the former decade. 
The following year, I was commissioned by the same publishers to write a book on contemporary architecture in New York City, following the same format, 100 buildings all built within the last 10 years. I spent another four months walking all over New York City's five boroughs, and again, met with almost all the architects featured in my book. Although I didn't know it at the time, those first two books, two of the five books I subsequently have written on contemporary architecture, laid the foundations for my perspective on architecture and the groundwork for founding Dovetail many years later. Of course, being trained as an architect myself, I am a fierce advocate for architects. And all of this is driven by my deeper belief that design excellence really matters. Design excellence is an essential element for quality of life. And I found that the incorporation of all stakeholders is key to achieving this design excellence and key to the success of a project. Dovetail often organizes concept design viewings during a design competition so that stakeholders can weigh in, or sometimes we curate exhibitions following a design competition. This generates excitement and positive publicity for our clients and their projects, making sure everyone is fully informed. It's a great way to smooth the way for project implementation. So, in the broadest possible terms, what evaluation criteria matters most to potential clients, particularly clients with high profile, complex capital projects in mind? What do you as architects need to make crystal clear to potential clients? All dovetail selection processes are centered on three major criteria, vision, experience, and chemistry. And looking at it from your, the competitor's vantage point, the dovetail selection process is tailored to make these three criteria as evident as possible. We structure the process to allow competitors to shine. So vision, how do you as an architect think? How do you and your team approach designing? What's your big picture thinking? Experience, what built work have you done before? Where has your firm built? With whom have you worked? And chemistry, one thing I have learned and I can share with you is that chemistry really matters. I think that from both sides, architect and client, the selection process is a little bit like dating. How does it feel to talk with one another, explore ideas, possibly collaborate? Design excellence is a tough concept to put into words, but we all feel it when we're in a well-designed space. It affects us personally. And furthermore, as architects and designers, we all know that buildings reflect our values and influence our behavior. This is one of the most important aspects of winning work. Understanding the potential client's values and making clear that your work has the capability to position that client's building to reflect these values. Going back to the three big buckets Dovetail has clients look at, this is where your vision comes into play. A clear way to win work is to be compelling and clear in the ways in which your firm's work, your unique creativity or inventiveness will interpret and enhance a client's values. And it's interesting to me that a dovetail value that has been shared with all our clients is the hiring of diverse teams. The end users for all our projects represent a vast richness of gender and racial diversity, and the teams designing these places need to be equally as diverse. This always makes for the best possible process and end product. Fitting all these pieces together, Dovetail's inclusive process has led to almost all dovetail projects being built. And I'm often asked by clients if an architect who has not built a particularly building type should before should be on their, their shortlist. And while experience with a specific building typology is always a plus, I'm a firm believer that an architect who can design one building typology successfully will design another building type successfully, even if they've not done that type before. Excellent design thinking is fluid and transferable to all building types. And once again, as an advocate for architects and design excellence, the dovetail-led process 
allows for both established architects and young and emerging architects who may not have done a particular building type before a shot at getting such a commission. This is simply good business. And I have found that almost everybody understands good design is good business. Flexibility is part of this. We build flexibility into all our design briefs. And I think it's important when pursuing work to make clear that you and your firm are flexible and that your design work is flexible. Particularly in a post-COVID world, buildings will need to be adaptable to a variety of programs. I love this recent image of Urban Umbrella being used not as scaffolding, but as shelter. It is part of a new design for a front porch to squeeze additional outdoor space for kids entering a school in Brooklyn during the pandemic. Which brings me to another aspect of what I believe is Dovetail's job, which is making my clients' needs and aspirations clear to you, the competitors. Dovetail projects create long-term opportunities and long-term relationships for the winning design team. And both sides, design team and client, need to be sure they respect, enjoy, and want to work together. One of the greatest benefits to the Dovetail process it is, is that it allows for extensive structured dialogue between the competitors and potential future clients. This in turn ensures that all parties, both client and competitor, are clear on the project brief and expectations for decision making. And perhaps one of the most important aspects of the selection process offers an avenue to evaluate chemistry. From your vantage point, going after work and certainly entering a design competition is a business decision. Winning work involves understanding who you want to work for, not just the project, but the client. With this in mind, I suggest that you do some research on who the clients are for a project in advance of making the commitment to participate in a competitive selection process. This in turn will hopefully give you and your firm insight into whether or not there will be great chemistry. Find ways to demonstrate similar values which will lead to compatibility. This can be adding really simple but powerful touches, such as the winning submission for an architect selection process dovetail ran for a veterinary hospital doing a major renovation. In the bio section of their RFQ submission, adjacent to their own photos, all proposed staff for the project included a photo and the name of their own pet. And of course, my clients loved this. So in a nutshell, the dovetail-led process is driven by the desire for design excellence for all. We structure the selection process to showcase for our clients the importance of great design thinking and all it can do for their projects and organizations. With that said, I suggest to you all without hesitation that the key to winning work is to make clear during every step of a selection process how your firm's vision, experience, and compatibility to the client's end goals will move them that much closer to where and who their institution being or becoming. Thanks. Hi. Hi, Paul and everyone else nice to see you thank you for asking me to um to be here today i have to say this is the first time in my career that anyone's asked me to share my thoughts on on winning new work so um i've put down a few things that hopefully will give you an idea about the way about the way we approach things without stating the obvious uh winning new work is a basic essential for any architect who wants to remain in business. And as such, uh, it's one of the most important groups in our practice, and that's our business development team. And this team focuses on everything from identifying new opportunities to ensuring that we are able to properly respond to them. 
It's also led by an experienced architect. I think anyone that tells you that they don't devote a good deal of their practices, time and resources to winning new work is probably not being 100% truthful. Having said that, I personally believe that the best way for us to win new work is for us to do the work that we have at the highest level of creativity, innovation and service that's possible. And for me, this strategy has been the single most successful way for us to win new work. Um, and as such, for as an example, 75% of my time and the time of all my partners is actually project-based. Um, this does have its limitations, but it does help us to develop relationships and relationships are always going to be important um, in doing the work you have and in winning new work. We get most of our work in the following ways, and they're more or less equally balanced around a third, a third, a third. Uh, competitive interview following a first round selection process. That competitive interview might involve just a pitch presenting uh, the work we have, but it also might involve a new idea or a new approach. Uh, limited design competitions. And these are normally for people who we know or for people who we don't know. Uh, and the third one is the point I was making earlier, existing relationships and direct commissions. So they're roughly for us equally balanced at about a third or a third, a third. It's uh, always a challenge for a busy practice to devote necessary resources to new pitches. So for me, it's always been important that we are very, very, very selective about the things we get involved in. Um, this enables us to focus and it enables us to devote the proper resources into each pitch and it helps us prepare for them properly. I guess the elephant in the room is competitions. Uh, architects generally have a hard time saying no to them. But we have uh, our own sort of set of criteria that we use for evaluating them. This probably won't, does not work for everyone, but for us, it's the following. We don't enter open competitions. We don't enter unpaid competitions. And we don't do competitions where the brief and the deliverables are not very, very well defined. We also don't enter competitions where we need to win. We use them as a, as a platform to test new ideas, to develop new in-house technologies, to develop new relationships, and to give our people, including some of our younger people, greater experience and a larger platform in the practice. Having said that, if we enter one, we devote our top talent to them as well. I always tell people, and I have for many, many years, don't enter a competition if you feel you need to win it. But take away from it a win regardless of the outcome. And having said that, we do win a reasonable number of them. Um, at any given time, our office probably has two or three competitions going on alongside a handful of pitches 
And this is where you really need to have great people and you also need to have great discipline and great focus to balance that with your ongoing uh, project time. We also tend to spend a good bit of our time and our resources trying to understand the companies or the institutions that we are working for or that we are pitching to. And one of the things you come to learn as a takeaway and an expectation is that not everyone who commissions an architect actually understands what we do or understands that there's a big difference between many of us from in many instances. And that I think is a big point that you need to understand when you uh, approach winning new work. Understand that your client or the potential client may not always understand exactly what it is that you do. And therefore it's, it's important that you explain to them exactly what your practice is about and what you believe you can bring to a project that's different from the rest of us. So that's a little bit about um, our approach to uh, winning work. Practices certainly of any size are engaged with pitches and competitive situations one way or the other. Now, I remember um, um, a, an exhibition um, that OMA put on uh, in Rome uh, three or four years ago. It was called On Hold. And um, this actually looked at every job number the practice had ever had. And, and they looked at what proportion had resulted in something being built. It was about 20%. Um, and I guess if you if you if you winning twenty percent of what you go in for, that's that's a, a pretty good a pretty good batting average. But how do you get to that level, or even try to improve on it? And Susanna, I was very taken by your remark uh, about chemistry, the extent to which selection panels and pitching for work is a bit like dating. Sometimes seems like speed dating. Um, <laughs> Is there any advice you can give people about how to increase the chances of developing that chemistry in an interview situation? I think before you go into an interview, you have to be really clear on who you're going to be speaking to. I think you have to be um, strategic about researching who is in charge, who is the big decision maker. Um, and I think you have to really speak to those individuals. You know, it's very difficult now in, during the pandemic to do any sort of schmoozing pre-interview. Pre but, um, you know, we always like to allow a little time for, for the team to come in and shake hands and, and, you know, a little bit of eye contact and that sort of thing. Now, you know, virtual interviews, it's not quite as easy, but you absolutely must know who you're talking to and you have to gear who you're going to bring to that interview um, to match who you'll be speaking to. I think, you know, obviously the, the, the senior uh, leading principal on a project and the project manager should always attend the interview. But um, you, know, you can bring along others on your team who you think will, will, will really, you know, um, sync, uh, click with, with, with those people they'll be talking to. 
Now, that, that business about who's on the team that goes for the interview um, is an interesting one, and, and perhaps you both like to respond to this. But, Susanna, since you've um, also worked client-side setting up selection processes or competitions, um, as well as representing um, architects, I wonder if you have any rules of thumb about, for example, whether these days uh, you must have a woman um, on the presenting team or indeed an ethnic minority member um, just as a matter of course or do you think it's best to be just keep it absolutely strictly relevant and you only have people in the room who are really going to be involved with the project? Uh, just to be clear Paul we um, we run design competitions and RFQs, RFPs and all that. I only work for the client. I don't represent any particular architecture firm. Um, you know, our, our, our clients are the clients. Um, uh, but then to answer, to answer your question, um, uh, I think absolutely uh, women should be included. Uh, you know, I sort of touched on it in my talk, but all my clients are interested in diversity. They're interested in, in hiring women architects. Uh, they're interested in working with women architects. A lot of, a lot of my clients have women senior leadership. Um, uh, and certainly their end users are 50% women as well. Um, and the same goes for, 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 for you know, BIPOC as well. Um, my, my clients are, are really interested in diversity. They would like their architecture team to match both who they are and who they're serving. And Lee, um, one of your partners, Karen Cook, responsible for the biggest building nearing completion in the city of London, um, do you routinely have a sort of balanced mix of, of gender and uh, age and ethnic minority when, you, when you're pitching? Or sometimes, is it just you? <laughs> well, um, sometimes it's just me, but not that often. Uh, you know, we have probably, uh, I think in the, in the surveys that are done, we're probably one of the most ethnically uh, diverse practices in, in London in the, in the survey of the top 100 practices. Nearly 60% of our uh, office are female. Um, many of my most senior people are female. And because we work every place in, around the world, uh, I guess with the exception of the United States at the moment, uh, we have people from 43 different countries in the, in the practice. And, you know, English is a second language in the studio every day. So uh, it means that we bring to the table, if we're, you know, if we're pitching for something in Italy, we will have Italian architects, uh, male or female, if we're doing the same thing in Russia, we will have Russian architects, um, same thing in Asian countries and, and things like that. Um, so it is important, but uh, talent and skill is also very, very important. And I, I don't think we have a problem uh, posting a, um, a male or a female that's very, very talented. So we're, I'm quite blessed in, in, in that regard. I would say that half the time, that you decide on the team mix to take to an interview, you get it right. And half the time you decide on the team mix and who makes the presentation in an interview, you get it wrong. I've gone to them where people have said, you didn't say a word in the whole presentation, therefore you're clearly not interested in, in our project and we went with someone else. 
and I've gone to some where people have said, you gave all the presentation, we didn't hear, you're fantastic, but you're not gonna be around to do any of our, of our work. So we wanted to hear from someone else. So, you know, in my place, I get it right, we get it right 50% of the time. And, and, and that's about as good as it gets. Can, can I, I think those are, very, those are very, I was gonna say, Susanna, these are very interesting points. Now from client side, what what do you what do you expect and what do you like to hear do you do you want to see do you want to see the boss at every presentation or do you prefer to see the person you're going to maybe be, be your client's going to be spending three or five years with on a project right so, so it's really interesting actually what lee said um because one of um one of my own pet peeves and and, and clients alike is um when uh, a team shows up and they've got all the subconsults sitting there and they don't say a word for, for, for the you know hour and 15 minute interview and it, it just they're staring at the ceiling. Um, so I think that you know the, the, the criticism that, that you're talking about, Lee, um, I think these things need to be carefully choreographed. And I think no one should be in the room that is not going to speak. Um, I think certainly American clients always like to see, um, certainly at the initial interview, uh, the big name. Uh, the, the the lead principal they you know they want to you know even though they know that they're not going to be seeing that person you know weekly daily monthly um, they want to know that they will be getting you know some level of attention from from from, from the name on the door um, I think it's equally as important to bring the project manager the person you know that's where the chemistry comes in you know is this someone that they want to spend the next five years with um, but I think you know I'm a big proponent for 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 um, uh, firms rehearsing what they're going to say. I know it seems really tedious and you probably do a gazillion presentations all the time, but there's really something to be said for um, having a quick run through in the office for people who are not on the team um, so that it really comes across as, as thought out, choreographed, um, equal. You know, I've, I've seen successful presentations by only one um, presenter, um, but more often than not, certainly in today's environment, um, my clients really like to understand how you collaborate and work together as a team. Maybe I could bring uh, Lee back in on this one. Um, do you tend to take along engineers, environmental engineers, cost consultants, or do you focus on the architects? Uh, it depends. I think what Susanna is talking about is a particularly American thing. Um, most of my clients are interested in ideas um, and the people we pitch to. They're interested in how we're going to bring something innovative to the table. And as such, we bring the people who we think um, are, are going to basically do that. We would never go to an interview without the lead design team on a project um, and, and the project manager. But we would also make sure that the lead design team would be on the project because people are hiring us to design something for them and to create something special. Uh, having said that, I, I do find it, it really depends on the client. Um, if you're presenting to someone whose first language is not English, having multiple people speak tends to be confusing at times. Um, if you're presenting through a translator, which we sometimes have to do, um, same thing goes. It tends to be difficult for uh, individuals to follow more than one person presenting because you need time for the material to be translated and things like that. Uh, so it really does depend on, um, 
on on the type of project, the time of the inter the amount of time you have for an interview. We have a presentation coming up later this week. Very very important project. We have seven minutes to present. We've been told. We've worked on the project for a year, um, and so it's not a project where any you know it will be one where one single individual will present it. And we've been rehearsing the presentation every day for the last month. So I think it depends. It really does depend on the situation. Can I ask you whether um, you find big cultural differences in expectation? I mean, Lee, you work, you, you've worked across the world. Are there recognizable differences um, in, in different geographic areas? Or is it much more dependent on the nature of the client? No, it, it, it is. There are differences. Um, for example, we have a we have a small office in in Tokyo, and um, that's proved to be very very successful for us. Uh, all of our Japanese clients or would be clients, when we talk to them, are very idea focused, and they're very interested in ideas that not would not just generally relate to their particular project that we're there to talk about. They're, they're interested in a discussion about a broader range of ideas around the built environment. Um, similarly, other uh, Asian uh, countries where we work, Singapore, for example, very big focus on environmental issues. Our European clients now tend to be interested in those sort of things, the new green uh, renovation revolution in Europe that's happening is very, very topical and a very, very interesting place for architects, I think, um, to win to win work if you're focused on those kinds of things. So I, I really think it, it, it depends. Um, we're doing some very, very innovative work around technology and architecture in Russia, for example, where there's a big, big focus on the power of technology and the built environment, things like that. So it really, really varies between places. And Susanna, um, the USA is a continent or the biggest part of a continent. Um, do you find cultural differences within different cities uh, in, in the US? Are there different assumptions in, in California to say NYC? Um, I think yes. Um, you know, we're very lucky in that um, Dovetail clients are all very interested in design and they're interested in sustainability and they're interested in sort of being forward looking. So, um, you know, our, our clients tend to be somewhat similar in that aspect. Um, I think um, on the East Coast, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a Maybe a, a more of a feeling that, that they want to work with in architectures work, work with in North America before, um, whereas the West Coast maybe is a little bit more willing to, to, to go out um, on a limb. But I think that that's changing. Um, and, and, and I have to say, you know, um, all our clients are super smart. And I think that when you go about trying to win work, you have to approach it with the attitude that the clients are smart. And even if they're lay people, um, they want to understand what, what, what you're doing. Um, and, and I think 
you know, making things as accessible and clear and pellucid, um, but always understanding that, you know, these are, these are all, you know, very, very intelligent people who might not be in your field. Um, you know, I know Lee, Lee had touched on the fact that, that, that sometimes clients, potential clients don't really understand what architects do. Um, I think they understand more than you think they do. <laughs> and I think it's really important to, 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 um, you know, make make architects have a tendency to sometimes obfuscate what they're they're doing, and it's just I find that unnecessary. I think clarity is always 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 key. What about um, timekeeping for presentations, Susanna? Because I've seen plenty of presentations where the timing's gone completely completely haywire, and I, I've said to architects that. If you go over on time on your presentation, the client thinks that actually you're going to live with years of this sort of thing. And if you can't get a 10 minute presentation, right, or perhaps a seven minute one, um, you know, what are the chances of the building coming in on time? I mean, there are there are little sort of um, symbolic moments in presentations, aren't there? Absolutely. Um, and we tell our clients that every step of the selection process is a screening. Um, and I mean, I, I, you know, seven minutes, I think it's not fair, um, you know, particularly for such an important project, which is also, you know, another advantage to, to dovetail in that, you know, we're very um, clear on the amount of time. Um, and we certainly, you know, make sure that there's ample time. We know that, 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 that our competitors are working hard. Um, and I don't, I want to be as fair as possible to, to everybody. But um, the other side of the coin is absolutely Paul you know there 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 are you know when when I'm running a process when Dovetail's running a process we will cut people off um, but we're very clear from the get-go that you know you have 25 minutes or you have a half hour or you have you know 40 minutes to talk and that is it um, so it's generally not for us an issue but I have been at other presentations which seem to, to go on and on and there's definitely something to be said for, for concision I mean, there, there's a, f a famous film that people can watch on YouTube of, of various international architects um, doing presentations. And the, and the only one who, by sort of common cause, anyone thought actually said what the project was about and how they were going to do it was Norman Foster, whereas a, there was a lot of theorizing and philosophizing from a whole variety of other big name architects. And it's a, a very amusing, it's a very amusing uh, clip. Lee, have you seen that one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I, I, I think... And Sorry, Paul, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think uh, it actually is quite important to to talk about your, your firm, but also to talk about the reason that you're in the room, which is, you know, you're invited in there by people who want you to tell them about their project and how you're going to deliver their project. Um, and I think that's very, very important. And I, I would agree that keeping to time is a good discipline. It's a good discipline to prepare you for the uh, interview and the presentation as well. Um, and it allows you to focus on the key, key ideas, which is one of the reasons why we tend to be very selective as well, so that we can devote the time to um, that we think is necessary to prepare for these sort of things. Now, here's here's a question for both of you, but um, I'll, I'll stay with Lee just for the moment, which is the vexed question of should we make a model? Um, because sometimes you can see that people have spent 
fortunes on making a model of a completed project before they even won the competition and had a chance to go into the brief in further detail with the client. Do you have a view about model making? Uh, it's changed. It's now, should we make a film? Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, I think if a model is required, then we will make a model. If a model is specifically excluded, we will not make one. If, um, if it's left silent and optional, I'd say nine out of 10 times we'll make a model. Uh, and the reason is we're quite blessed with a very, very talented and large model making facility here that does all kinds of things from product prototyping to models. And um, we actually learn quite a bit about what we're doing when we make models. So, um, but if it's, if it's excluded and it's specifically stated, do not make a model, we will not make a model. And Susanna, um, Lee makes a good point about maybe the film or the animation um, is, the, is the equivalent or an appendage to a model these days. Um, do your clients uh, like to see that kind of material, film material at presentations, even if they didn't ask for it? Well, in an interest in, in leveling the playing field, Ducktail is quite prescriptive about deliverables. So um, if we, you know, we won't run a, a design competition unless there's compensation. As, as Lee pointed out, he won't enter one if there's, you know, no compensation. So for a typical RFQ, RFP interview process, we would, um, you know, there would not be uh, an expectation or an acceptance of a film or a, a model. Um, but for a design competition, we're very clear on um, uh, certainly, you know, whether or not we want a short film or the size and scale of a model. Um, films are fantastic um, and I think very useful. And um, uh, my clients love seeing them. Um, and it's, it's, a great, it's a great tool to understand you know, ideas. And the same, the same goes for, for a model as well. But as I said, we're fairly prescriptive about you know, when it's expected. And can I ask you whether um, public consultation and an architect's skill in being able to handle consultations and deal with communities, um, whether that is typically something that you investigate when, when on, on behalf of your clients, is that something they're looking for? And then Lee, you might want to co comment on that also. But Susanna first. Well, I think it's 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 very um, uh, depends on on what the project is. If there's going to be, you know, we, we call it community engagement, um, what you call public consultation, um, and Dovetail is incredibly clear about what the scope of work that's expected from from a firm for 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 a project. So, um, you know, we've seen uh, submissions where a firm, relatively young firms, more 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 typical, um, we'll team up with uh, community engagement specialists and that sort of thing. Some projects it's required, some projects it's not. Um, and yes, we do, you know, we certainly check references, talk to prior clients. Um, yeah, if, it, if that is an aspect of, of the scope of work, we certainly would, would want some evidence um, of, of success in that area. Thank you. Uh, Lee, final comment on that? Yeah, look, the nature of architecture is changing. I mean, the last 10 people that we hired have not been architects. 
And when we put teams together now for projects or to pitch projects and things like that, they have a, an enormous variety of other types of skills that uh, are not around engineering and project management and costs. They're around uh, not just environment, they're around social issues. They have a focus on social issues, fairness in cities and other types of things like that. And so I think the more you realize about our business, the more it comes that you'll have to start to assemble very, very interesting groups of people to deliver these things. And I think the more you can do around that, the bigger advantage you will have. That's great. Lovely note to end on. Thank you so much for your contributions here. Um, the first business session at WAF Virtual. Uh, very interesting stuff. Good luck with the competition, Lee. Susanna, thank you very much for your time today.